2: Thank you so much for all the kind words on my debut episode yesterday, and I just want to let you know I am not that crazy of a driver. So, there's a lot going on in Houston, and every Friday, we like to round up the biggest stories of the week and break them down with our contributors. Today, political contributor Evan Mintz and CityCast Houston producer Carleon Jones share their stories that impacted our city. It's Friday, March 24th. I'm Raheel Ramzanali, and here's what Houston is talking about. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday News Roundup time right here on CityCast Houston. Evan Mintz, the legend himself, of course, joining us this Friday. Evan, love listening to you. I'm so excited to be on the News Roundup with you on this beautiful Friday. Carly Carlyon Jones, our producer extraordinaire. She's the best. Carly, how are you doing? Good morning.
1: Good. Good morning, y'all.
2: Evan, good morning. How are you?
0: Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you?
2: Are you ready to bring the fire? Because everybody's like, hey, Evan's going to bring the fire, okay? And I, li- <laughs> I listen to you, okay? So I know the fire is going to be there, and I'm excited. So let's jump into it. I want to get your first story. What was the biggest story of the week here in the city of Houston?
0: I want to go behind the scenes and point at something that I think is going to have a huge impact on our region. Okay. And that is that the Senate... Has passed a constitutional amendment to the Texas Constitution to expand preventative pretrial detention. Now, for anyone who's been paying attention to the news or the 2022 election, this idea of people getting out before trial on bond and committing new offenses and breaking new laws has been a huge driver of political debate, debate around our criminal justice system. But something that has underlined all of this is that it's really hard in Texas to detain people who are still legally innocent. And generally, that's good. You don't want the government being able to lock people up unless they've been convicted by a jury of their peers. But sometimes you have these instances where people are repeat offenders, or they commit incredibly violent crimes, and we have pretty good reason to believe that they're going to put the community at risk again. And Texas's hands are often tied or severely restrained in ways that we can hold them until trial. So a constitutional amendment is moving through to expand judges' discretion in holding people. And I think this is going to absolutely shift the way that we talk about criminal justice in Texas. Now, some people are concerned, saying that, well, this is just going to expand our jails, put more people behind bars who don't need to be there, and that's bad. And there's always a risk depending on how the end language comes out. But right now, we rely on a system of cash bail that says that if you have the money to make cash bail, you can get out. And if you don't, you're going to get detained. And basically, it means that no matter how dangerous you are or aren't, if you're poor, you're detained, and if you're rich, you get out. This moves away from that. It moves it to a system of risk instead of wealth. And if it's written right, and if we get all of the proper due process built into it, it could be an incredible improvement for the way our criminal justice system works to ensure that people behind bars are only there because they pose a risk to the community, not simply because they can't afford their cash bail.
2: And do you think this is going to pass here pretty soon? Everything is going to be gravy pretty soon, because it seems like the public support for this has been uh, positive and everyone wants this. And we understand that crime is uh, getting to rates where it seems like it's at an all time high in our city. And we hear so many stories about it and we hear about stories about, you know, hey, criminals getting out and committing another crime. The positive momentum towards this, uh, when can we expect this to go into
0: effect? Well, first, I just want to push back and say crime is nowhere near all time highs in Mm -hmm. Houston. We are far below that. And crime rates are declining after their nationwide COVID spike. I mean, the city of Lubbock saw its homicide rates double. I don't know what's going on in Lubbock, but it happened there. It happened in Houston. Happened everywhere. Yeah. But there's still this issue that we don't have the legal infrastructure in place to be able to do what people want to do. Now, progressive groups are concerned and rightly that if you expand this detention net too broadly. You're just going to end up with a bunch of people behind bars who shouldn't be there and unlike on the cash bail system if they they don't have any other way to get out that's why you need to make sure you have proper hearings you have proper access to counsel you have proper boundaries on this so that people don't get detained unjustly you also need to make sure that our public defenders our prosecutors our judges our law enforcement all of the resources they need to make sure that uh, cases are tried in a timely manner now, the next step for this constitutional amendment is going into the House of Representatives in Austin. And because it's a constitutional amendment, they need to get 100 votes, which means they need to get Democrats on board. And Democrats are going to hold out and say, you know, we're not going to put our votes onto this thing unless you make sure that it has stuff in it that we like too, uh, that you make sure that it has the proper protections that we think are important. And a similar uh, constitutional amendment went through in the last legislative session, and at the very end, Democrats were kind of on board, kind of not. And finally, they said, no, uh, this isn't good enough for us. We're going to withhold our votes. And it died. And so here we are again. uh, But I think that negotiations are going better this time. And we'll see what happens in the House, because that's really where I think you're going to get the most contentious hearings and debates over it. It really flew through the Senate, but the Senate is a lot more controlled. It's all more controlled by Republicans and the Democrats know that he have to uh, go along to get along. There's only one dissenting vote on it, but it'll probably be different in the House. We'll have to see. Carly, how about you? What is your biggest story of the week?
1: So my biggest story isn't necessarily a Houston story, but rather a Texas-wide story that's really turning into a nationwide story, rightfully so. Um, So I'm pretty sure by now you've heard about the Ana Balsadua Ruiz case. She's the young lady who was found dead at Fort Hood. Um, She was only 20 years old. And this story is already a tragedy just based on the loss of life in general, but it's even more unsettling because it's the same base that Usonian Vanessa Guillen died at in 2020. So right now they're saying that there's no foul play evident, but an ABC News report said that the family had allegedly said that Anna was reporting sexual harassment on the base to them. So the investigation is ongoing and everything, and... I just really think that this raises the question of needing to really investigate that whole base in general. Like, how is this happening three years apart from each other, two very young women, both reportedly being sexually harassed? Like, the whole overall arch of the story is just kind of frightening and just really unsettling for women who want to maybe join the army and be a part of the bases and things like that. It's just like... What's going to happen to you? Are you going to be protected?
2: And there, uh, the League of United Latin America Citizens, um, they held a news conference, mm-hmm. and they also are demanding a- an FBI investigation into uh, Ruiz's death, and demanding more from Fort Hood, and, like to understand what is happening. Is this a trend? Is this an isolated incident? Is mm-hmm. there foul play? What is happening? Uh, we need more answers in this for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm happy that they're going ahead and like, you know, uh, rallying for her because right now the base is basically, I, I feel like they're covering it up. I mean, I'm not really sure exactly what the cause of death was. They have not revealed that yet. So it's just kind of like, you know, what are they going to come back and say?
2: For sure. We'll be keeping an eye on that story and we'll find out what happens. Uh, My biggest story of the week, it actually came out towards the end of last week, but we've had a chance to learn a little bit more about it. And we're going to learn more about it here on CityCast Houston as well. But uh, how many of y'all actually check your electric bills and see what kind of fees are added on? Because in the last two and a half, three years, sure, electric bills have gone up because of the rise of uh, fuel and everything has gone up in cost. Well, guess what? Because the PUC, the Public Utility Commission, just gave the green light to Centerpoint to increase its rates so they could recoup $200 million in costs for emergency generators. So basically what's going to happen is these mobile generators which they can lease out um, will produce 500 megawatts of emergency power during periods of demand and that cost even though it's going to be about a dollar a month all right on our bills it is still going to be an additional fee and there's more to come because we are now looking at rebuilding the grid and fixing the grid and that's going to cost tens of billions of dollars and texas lawmakers are now discussing that so more fees for everybody, and it just never stops. And it, the bills have gone up, and the only people that are benefiting from this are the big companies, it seems like.
0: You know, no wonder that Centerpoint just got dropped from the Better Business Bureau. Like, really? Mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know about y'all, but I've had terrible experiences with them. And I think this is just one of those moments where you see, like, this is what happens when you have a poorly regulated monopoly. You know, you can choose your power source, whether it's from Green Mountain or, you know, wherever, but all the power flows through those same power lines and they're all owned by the same company and you don't have any choice. And when you don't have any choice, it needs to be tightly regulated and we're not benefiting from any of this. You know, maybe we need to get some lobbyists to go up to Austin and have them argue on our behalf because it seems like Center Point really controls the game up there.
2: Yeah, it's such a it's such a farce in that. Oh yeah, you get to pick your provider, and this is great, and this choice in the hands of Texans. But really, it's the choice of getting a, a decent rate, but then that rate spikes up because of all the charges that come through CenterPoint. So, for example, right, or like right now, my uh, I'm on renewal, right? So I'm trying to look for the best rate. So this is impacting me, and I get a nice 8.9 cent rate, which is great. It's so competitive. But by the time I get all those fees tacked on from center point, looking at about 13.9 to 14.5 based on my usage. Mm-hmm. So we lose. And it's so frustrating because as you mentioned, Evan, we can't do anything about it, mm-hmm. right? We can speak up. But at the end of the day, we have no say in this.
0: No, you're right. You know, it reminds me every now and then you'll see a study that says that the, uh, the average lowest uh, bills are are in places like Austin, San Antonio, that still have regulated utilities. And the, the defenders of the uh, the electrical choice system of ERCOT will come out and say, oh, well, well, you can get lower rates in other places if you game the system, if you shop around, if you try to figure out who the cheapest person is for any nine-month period and only get those little limited contracts. But I don't want to spend my time doing that. Like That's not how I'm no. going to spend my day. I'd much rather have someone you know, lock it in and say, this is the cheapest that we think we can negotiate for everyone. We have the leverage of negotiating on behalf of an entire city, and we're going to get everybody a good deal. Carly, do you have anything to add on?
1: Yeah, it reminds me of Spirit Airlines, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Spirit, like, <laughs> shows you these really small, like, super cheap prices and then once you get there there's like oh you're gonna pay this baggage fee you're gonna pay this fee and then once you get on the airline it's like you might as well have flown with southwest or united or somebody else because it's like they're hiding all these fees and extra costs behind a oh this is great this sounds great
2: but here's a problem when you fly with southwest You're not gonna get the great fights like you will on Spirit, okay? So, come on. (laughs) The the content is better on Spirit (laughs) Airlines, all right? You just get more things to talk about. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Evan, what was your most overlooked story of the week?
0: So, the overlooked story of the week is a proposal by the Houston Housing Authority to buy homes in the third ward around CUNY homes. Now, the other week I talked about my frustration with the proposal for conservation districts. I thought it was backdoor zoning and it wasn't even going to accomplish the stated goal of preventing unwanted gentrification. And we had a conversation saying, well, what would, what could we do? And I said, well, you know, the city could just pop in and buy and preserve the properties that we want to preserve. And lo and behold, it looks like they're doing just that. So I want to say bravo to the city for the Houston Housing Authority for doing this, for pulling it off. You know, it can go well, it can go poorly. But I think that really this sort of direct action is the most efficient and effective way to get the results we want. And stuff like this has been happening for a long time. The Midtown Tours has been doing a great job of buying up land through Midtown, through Third Ward, Fourth Ward to prevent gentrification. You know, But part of the downside, too, is that if you prevent gentrification, what are you going to do instead? You know, what are you going to build there instead? Who are you going to make sure can still live there? How are you going to keep rent affordable? And that's the bigger challenge.
2: So how do you solve that? Just give us an overview if you can. Like, how do you solve that issue?
0: Well, I think a lot of it is just building facilities that you're going to rent to people at set affordable prices for people who are below the the average income. You know, and there's not a lot of, you know, magic twists to it. You just have to do it. And usually the, uh, the difficulty in uh, other cities, is that it is hard to build the complexes you want to build. Houston, we make it easy. The challenge here is that a lot of the facilities we have built are old and are falling apart. Like CUNY Homes, which is never really meant to be a public housing. And so here we are now looking at these decade old facilities saying, well, what should we be doing instead?
2: All right. Carly, how about you? What is your most overlooked story?
1: My overlooked story is that two students um, from U of H have apparently died by suicide in the same building, only six weeks apart. The building is called the Agnes Arnold Hall and has now been shut down by the school for the remainder of the semester, uh, since the building has also been reported to be the site of multiple suicides in the past as well, um, including one that was in 2017. The U of H president announced following this that that a task force will be put together to address mental health on the campus and suicide prevention. Um, she's planning on using the school's College of Medicine and city experts to do this. And I'm really hoping that it's effective because this is just so disheartening to see. Like, I know... I've experienced college and how stressful it can be on students, just the pressures of just daily life. You're trying to figure it out. You're you're young. Um, you're on your own for the first time in a lot of cases. So it can be a lot. So I really just hope that they put in enough reinforcements to really help people that like really get to the students and make the students comfortable to come forward and talk about the issues that they're dealing with.
2: Yeah, I really like the fact that they're tackling this right away, right? (laughs) Like one is too many. Uh, There's two now, as you mentioned, two students. And they noticed that this is a trend and Mm -hmm. something is happening. So the fact that they're looking into this, they're studying this, they're trying to find solutions. uh, It's a good thing. And I I can't wait to see what solutions they come up with. Mm -hmm. Okay, my most overlooked story of the week, this was celebrated and people were really excited about this. And this is happening out in Galveston County and impacts Bolivar, which is the beach and the area that you go via the ferry. When you go to Galveston, you take the ferry right over and you get to Bolivar. Oliver, and they've got Crystal Beach. Well, there's a huge development that is uh, being built out there and it's uh, called the Peninsula Beach Resort. It's going to have its own airport. Mm-hmm. It's going to have this new beach bar and grill and cottages and condos and a beach club and all that great stuff. And it's being celebrated. But as a tourist who goes out there a lot during the summer. Uh, This could potentially be really bad, not only for the ecosystem out there because you're developing so much on such a small peninsula, but the infrastructure is not there from Galveston County. If you've ever been to Bolivar, it's literally a two-lane highway, as they call it, but it's really just a road, and you are about to get an influx of tourists And it's going to be so bad because there's no place to expand that road. Mm -hmm. This could be potentially a really bad thing for Bolivar. Um, I know it's great for tourism and there's going to be a lot of jobs, but the long term impacts of this could be pretty devastating.
0: It just stands out to me that knowing everything we know about rising seas, about climate change, about Hurricanes with or without climate change and just about the general subsidence of these barrier islands It happens one way or another Why are people putting more things on the lowest parts uh, of the coast? You know, I mm-hmm. will say I feel like I'm, I'm contractually obliged to say build the Ike dike, like please build it <laughs> But uh, I just sometimes my head spins looking at folks putting stuff out there on sand don't build there That's the wrong place Absolutely, it's going to be. I I don't know. I I don't know how much of this is going to get built
2: out because you always see these uh, proposals like this is going to be the biggest thing ever. And construction on Bolivar is really hard Mm -hmm. because there's only one way in, and that's from the backside of the island. And you're not taking construction equipment via the ferry, like it's impossible, (laughs) right? So construction is going to be crazy. So we'll see how much actually gets built up. But uh, just, I I just thought all the celebration of this story was like cool, but. Let's see what happens here in the long term. Mm -hmm. All right, final thing. We have to get some good news, all right? We need to get something uh, happy here. What was your moment of joy,
0: Evan? My moment of joy was reading a headline about a proposal to build a new LNG export facility in Port Arthur. You know, are there pollution problems? Yes, but the reason why Houston exists is oil and gas. That is why we're here. And every day I wake up afraid that is this the day that oil and gas consumption peaks? Is this the day that we can say, well, this was Houston's economic high point and everything here is downhill because it happens to cities all the time. Trenton, New Jersey used to be a booming manufacturing hub. There's a big sign on the Trenton bridge that says, Trenton makes, the world takes. And now it's kind of a joke. Trenton doesn't make a whole lot anymore. One of these days, I'm afraid that we're going to look at Houston and be like, well, gosh, what is all of this? Why were all these freeways here? How many people actually lived here at one point? And we want to be able to keep building. We want to be able to maintain our plugged in to the global economy. And knowing that we're still building these export facilities, that we're still going to be shipping out LNG, we're still going to be manufacturing, is
1: something that makes me go, phew,
0: we still got it. We're still there.
2: I love it. Carly, how about you? What was your moment of joy?
1: My moment of joy is getting to attend my first play since I've been back in Houston, thanks to the Ensemble Theater, who invited CityCast Houston out to opening night of their new show, Clydes. I love theater, and I used to actually be in theater back in high school and in junior high. So this was super fun moment for me, like super exciting, because I have not had the time to do it yet, so yeah.
2: I was excited. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. That's that's such a cool experience. I'm glad you got to experience that. Okay. My moment of joy, I have two things uh, involving two artists from the city of Houston. One, Shay Serrano, who used to teach at HISD. Uh, he just dropped a new trailer for his new show on Amazon Freebie, and it's called Primo, which is based loosely on his life growing up uh, in San Antonio. So he is originally from San Antonio, did move back there, but was in Houston, as I mentioned, for a stretch. And I can't wait to see the new show. I'm a big fan of his books, hip hop and other things, movies and other things. And then, of course, my favorite basketball and other things. Can't recommend those books enough. And then the second one, I have to tack this one on, a local comedian, Zahid Devji. Uh, I grew up with him. He is now writing for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Ooh. How cool is that? So he's been grinding on the circuit here in Houston and moved back to New York City. He was there for a while and he is now a writer on one of the biggest late night shows. So congratulations to both Shay and Zahid.
1: Yeah, that's so exciting
0: that looks great i gotta say shay serrano is such a great writer he's so talented and it makes me so happy to see him make it big like this
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely Uh, i want more shay serrano projects evan Carly thank you so much a lot of great stories a lot of informative stuff here for our listeners have a great weekend and uh hopefully Evan we're uh looking at UT in the final four not U of H I know
0: <laughs> I know you want Houston in it I know you want I everything do. Houston I want UH. I know there. you
2: do I know you do but I'm a UT grad so yeah same. we'll see
0: Hey, I went to Rice hey. I got nothing I <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey, actually had a pretty good season for Rice basketball that, that's not true bad. we beat the spread <laughs> Yep, absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Talk to bye. Later. Thank you to our political contributor, Evan Mintz, and producer Carlyon Jones for joining me on the Friday News Roundup. Before we go, this week the holy month of Ramadan started for the Muslim community in Houston. The month focuses on prayer, community, and fasting from sun up to sundown. The daily fasts are broken at a feast called Iftar. Dozens of halal restaurants in the city of Houston are gearing up to handle thousands of customers at once for the nightly feast and celebration. It's a sight to behold and celebrate with your neighbors. To see a full list of restaurants that are holding Iftar celebrations, click on the link in our show description. That's all for today here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa, our producer is Carleon Jones, and our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis. And the host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. This week, we've had extra help from our technical director, Noah Snyderman, and roving producer, A.K. Al Moment. It would mean so much to us if you tell your friends about CityCast Houston so we can grow the show. I highly recommend sharing our essential rules for Surviving Houston episode from yesterday. We'll be back next week with more news from around the city. I hope you learned something today, and I'll talk to you then. Okay. I was like stressing because I saw the five-minute warning. I'm like, oh my gosh.